in the shed, the shed, me lovely little shed. Might as well get a Chesterfield, a toilet and a bed. It's the only place where I can go and tinker with my toys. Go and find solitude with a bunch of ugly guys. Bee break! Welcome to Shed Happens. I'm Patrick from the Froom Men's Shed. This weekly show, whilst we're all isolating, is brought to you by the UK Men's Shed Association and Froom FM. It's about men's sheds and the shed movement, but aimed at everyone. Um, always follow strictly the guidance issued by UK governments and Irish governments in this case today regarding COVID-19. Coming up is a short trailer of what you'll hear in the show today. Welcome to Shed Happens in Glorious Stereo, broadcasting around the UK and around the world. In today's show... Leadership style, when you're in a crisis, is very important. It'll include them in it again, but not make them vulnerable to, uh, to possibly catching this blessed virus. Thanks to you, we are making a real difference in the fight against COVID-19. And though the UK will be changed by this experience, I believe we can be stronger and better than ever before. That it is too soon to lift these restrictions. Shit happens even when you're self-isolating. So, self-isolate responsibly. In our virtual studio today, we have Charlie Bethel, Chief Officer of the UK Men's Shed Association, Barry Sheridan, CEO of the Irish Men's Shed Association, and Robert Vizintainer of the Men's Shed in Wales. We also have Dan Gamay and Kate Gordon in the studio. So, as it's a virtual studio, we have um, Charlie in Nottingham, Barry in Dublin, and Robert in Cardiff. Dan is in Westbury, and Kate is in Manchester. And I'm here in Froome in Somerset. Um, as all parts of the UK and Ireland are very cautiously easing some of the lockdown restrictions, we're going to be discussing some of the options and issues open to organisations such as Men's Sheds and other small organisations to eventually reopen, subject to suitable government guidelines. So to start off with, maybe let's hear from our studio guests how the lockdown has personally affected them. So Charlie, how's things in Nottingham? Good morning, Patrick. Well, I actually live in a little village called Attenborough. So where I live, we have a lovely nature reserve. So I have the opportunity, luckily, with my children to get them outside and take our 30 minutes and go and see ducks, of which there's lots of little baby ones at the moment. So, so that is quite, it is quite lovely. But um, it is fair to say my, my three young children, or lodgers, as I like to refer to them, are, um, are, are, are struggling. They really are. And so, so is their mother. <laughs> And how's Charlie doing? Is Charlie struggling? I'm, I'm coping. I mean, I'm working early in the morning so I can finish about two o'clock to give my wife some respite. Um, and I, I have my own little workshop that I can go and hide in when they've all gone to bed. So uh, I, I've got my little, my, uh, my pressure valve that I can loosen, luckily. Any pets to, um, to walk or look after? No, no, we're quite, uh, whilst the children have decided they wanted chickens yesterday um, and they wanted rabbits the week before, um, no, no, we've just got a couple of little mice that live under the shed. And how old are your three children, Charlie? Um, six, four and three. 
So are you doing homeschooling for the older ones? Yeah, that's not going very well at all. Uh, so uh, the crafting's going okay. I, I can cope with the crafting and we've been making little Star Wars models, or, or at least I have, out of toilet rolls. But uh, yeah, no, it's, um, they're learning, but they're not learning in, in the structured way that maybe, maybe they would want to and that we would hope we could do. But it, it's difficult with different ages, really, are, really is. So Barry, how, how has the uh, lockdown affected you? In, um, well, you're just outside Dublin, aren't you? Yeah, just outside Dublin, probably an hour from the city. So I'm in the countryside, which is nice. So very quiet around where we are. So similar to the UK, we're all locked in. Uh, have been since probably got the middle of March, really. So it's we're six six or seven weeks into it now, really. Uh, so it's the new normal, if there's such a phrase as normal at the moment for anyone, you know. <laughs> so I'm at home uh, with uh, my wife and three boys. So... Uh, my wife's a teacher, so she's trying to teach from home, and then we're trying to homeschool the other three at the same time. So it's a it's a busy house, but look, it's fine. We can't really complain. You know, we're in the countryside, loads of space, plenty of walks, uh, plenty of exercise, plenty of fresh air. The weather's been nice. So you know, it, all things considered, it it could be a hell of a lot worse. You know, so we're we're surviving. We're surviving. So one of the I have no children uh, being homeschooled, but do you require your children to um, refer? to their teacher as mummy and daddy or more formal names than that during homeschooling? Well, they, they tend not to refer to me at all. I've been sacked, <laughs> so it's kind of going the other way, really. So uh, my wife, being the expert in that field, tends to take a lot of that slack. Um, I'm, I'm quite good at Lego building, though, so I'm doing a lot of that with the youngest one. And uh, I, do, I do a lot of the kind of uh, physical exercise, maybe, so we go out and we'll play football or we'll do whatever, you know, just to get, get rid of a few cobwebs. But it's, look, it's hard, it's hard on everyone, you know, and it's hard on kids, longer it goes on, it's, it's hard for them to, it's, it's a social connection, same as uh, we probably talked about with sheds, it's a social connection that the kids miss, you know, so, um, but look, we are where we are, we just have to kind of uh, keep the head down and keep going, really. Exactly. And, and Robert, how about your good self in, in Cardiff? Yeah, well, I'm just outside of Cardiff, Taxwell. I mean, the border of Cardiff is a couple of hundred metres down the road, so technically it's Cardiff as well, I suppose. Um, yeah, well, I have three children. Uh, they're with me um, half of the week, so Thursday to Sunday they're with me, and uh, the rest of the week with their, with their mum in Cardiff. Um, so I get a little bit of a break, but then, then, then when they're with me, it's just me and them. But it's, you know, they're, they're doing okay. They're, um, they're 17, 15, and... My son turned 13 last week, so I'm now in charge of three teenagers. All I can say is, thankfully, it's been sunny. You know, the weather's been great, and we've been able to get outside. I mean, if it had been the usual wet, cold, rainy Welsh weather, I don't know. We'd have been climbing the walls, I think. Don't tell me it's been sunny in Wales as well, though, Robert. It has. Unbelievably sunny. And that's my escape as well. Uh, you know, when I'm not working, it's out in the garden. Absolutely love the garden, been encouraging the children too as well. You know, we've got lettuce, radishes, we had our first crop of spinach last week, our lockdown spinach, which we planted the seeds back in the middle of March. Kate or Dan, do you have um, any questions on uh, lockdown and homeschooling and teenagers and etc. internationally? Yeah, I think uh, I've heard a lot of my friends are finding being a parent during lockdown is, is really tough. I've got a lot of friends who are uh, got newborns uh, or going up to the age of about Charlie's children's age so uh, yeah it does sound like it's, it's very very tough especially when you're still working I think there was a there was a, a 
very funny um, meme the other day that said it takes it may take a village to raise a child but it'll take a crate of wine to get them through homeschooling <laughs> <laughs> just the one <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I feel quite grateful at the moment because we haven't got we've got really got dogs um, and I see like it must be very very tough to keep the kids entertained especially if you're in uh, you know, you're not fortunate enough to have access to green space. I've got a couple of friends who are in flats in London, and that, that must be really, really tough. Good. Okay, well, thank you very much indeed for that, everybody. Here's a song from a Nail Sea social shedder called Steve Sayers. I'll let him introduce it. It's a personal lament. He's personally getting very fed up with the lockdown restrictions, and you can hear the things that are getting him down. Hi folks, uh, my name's Steve Sayers and I'm, uh, I want to introduce this song that uh, I've adapted from an old uh, original 1930s uh, blues song by a guy called Lead Belly. The original is called uh, Bourgeois Blues and my version is called uh, Lockdown Blues. I hope you like it. <laughs>
And now we're going to hear various government announcements that have taken place across the UK and Ireland over the last seven days. Um, starting first with Ireland. So what we what we have now is from Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach, First Minister for Ireland. He spelt out the easing of restrictions there on the 5th of May. Here's that announcement. Tonight I want to explain to you why we have to extend current restrictions until the 18th of May and also share with you our plan to reopen our economy and society in phases starting on that day. Thanks to you, we are making a real difference in the fight against COVID-19. The curve has been flattened and has now plateaued. Thousands of lives have been saved. Our hospitals and healthcare staff have not been overwhelmed. But we've not yet won this fight. Every day we have too many new cases. We still have too many people in hospital and in our intensive care units with COVID. And every day, regrettably, including today, we have too many deaths. Our scientists and doctors tell us that if we relax the restrictions too soon, we could see within a matter of days our ICUs overcrowded, our care homes under renewed pressure, and our healthcare staff overwhelmed. Everything we've achieved would be lost. Our best chance of winning this battle will be swept away, and we could be back to square one. So we must go on for a short time more. As I mentioned earlier, we have a plan to ease restrictions from the 18th of May. But before that, we need two more weeks of tight restrictions to weaken the virus further so it doesn't have the strength to make a comeback when we start to interact with each other again. During this period, we are making some changes. We're extending the distance you can leave your home. So from next Tuesday, it will be possible to travel up to five kilometers from your home for the purposes of exercise. For people who are cocooning, the public health advice is to continue to do so. However, from Tuesday, it will be possible to go for a walk or a drive within five kilometers of your home if you avoid all contact with other people. Our plan is to reopen the country in a slow, staged, phased way. Five stages, three weeks apart, starting on May 18th, and all things going to plan, with the fifth phase commencing on August 10th. Unfortunately, the risk of a second wave of the virus is ever-present, so we can only move from one phase to the next if the virus stays under control between each phase. And there is a risk that we'd have to go back a phase if that happens. In any scenario, at least until we have a vaccine or an effective treatment, there will be a long-term need for physical distancing, good hand hygiene, respiratory hygiene, regular cleaning, and for people to stay at home and isolate if they're sick. It will take some time for our lives to get back to normal, to a new normal, but it will happen. So on the 18th of May, Ireland begins to reopen and begins that journey to a new normal. From that day, outdoor work like construction and landscaping will resume. Some retail outlets like garden centres, hardware stores, repair shops will reopen. And some outdoor sporting and fitness activities in small groups will be allowed. 
many regular health services will resume operating and it'll be possible to meet small groups of friends and family outdoors. Not long from now, some summer night, we will see our friends again. So while there is still so much that we do not know, tonight there is hope. In the weeks ahead, that hope will drive us forward as we plan to emerge safely from this crisis. Thank you very much. Stay safe and good evening. Yeah, okay, yeah. so Barry, if you can give us an idea of the lockdown restrictions and what they were like in Ireland, and also, but first, a general picture of men's shed in Ireland. Well, for us in, in Ireland, the, the, it started just before St. Patrick's Day, which is probably the, you know, one of the days that everyone in the country looks forward to. And it was a, a few days before that, and uh, our Taoiseach Leo Barad could come on, and he made an announcement that pretty much locked down straight away from the, I think it was the 13th of March, St. Patrick's Day was the 17th of March, so St. Patrick's Day was cancelled. That's that's a big deal over here, you know. There's something not yeah. quite right when that happens, you know. So that that was that was the beginning of it all. So from that day on, uh, we advised the sheds that, uh, in line with public health guidelines, etc., that the the sheds should uh, close temporarily uh, for the for the period of time. I suppose looking back on it now, we never expected it to be as big a deal as uh, we're still in the very early stages of it at that stage. So it, it was a shock to the sheds, but uh, so the sheds closed from that date. And since that, we've been very working very closely with the Department of Health over here in Ireland and um, following government department advice in terms of uh, meeting the public health requirements and guidelines, etc. So the broader lockdown came in two weeks later than that. So the end of March, you come in where literally you had a, a zone of two kilometers from your house. So basically all businesses, everything was shut down apart from supermarkets. So that, that was literally it. Supermarkets were the only thing, I think, quite similar to the UK. So everything was locked down, um, everyone working from home. Uh, if you couldn't work from home, you weren't working, basically. So sheds were closed, uh, workplaces were closed. And really that was, a, that was like, uh, and they also brought in for the over 70s, and this had an impact on, on some of our shed members, obviously, as well, is uh, this uh, phrase, phrase called cocooning. So if you're over 70, you weren't allowed to leave your house full stop. So no walks, uh, no meeting public, uh, no meeting family members. You're literally at home on your own. Um, and that's really tough on uh, not just shed members but across the whole society so that was a really tricky one for because we all know someone uh, and people who are in that age bracket and a lot of them are on their own anyway so that was really challenging so we that's been carried on until i think the 18th of may which is next monday where we've got a five phased approach to reopening the country again and it's if every phase of reopening the country happens every three weeks so there's a three-week time period for each phase and the first phase is the return of construction workers next week uh, like the garden centers reopening and the two kilometers up to five kilometers so you can go a little bit further uh, those over 70 can um, uh, go a little bit further and get out for walks etc a bit of exercise but generally very very little will change on the 18th uh, and then you've got that's phase one and then phase two three weeks later phase three three weeks later than that Phase four and phase five. Phase five, I suppose, is really the return to pretty much uh, <clears throat> what we would call a the old norm. Um, now, within that, you've still got all the criteria around social distancing. So social distance is the, is a criteria for absolutely everything. So if you return to work, you return to your shed, if you return to a workplace or if you return to any kind of um, social gatherings or any of that kind of stuff, social distancing is still in place. And that's two metres as we describe it over here. So... 
that's a new way of, 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 of socially being, I think, for all of us, you know, so it's a new way of living our lives. So, um, and that's going to be challenging for us over here. The, the big challenge is um, figuring out because obviously uh, men's sheds, while they're very important, well received over here, they're, it's not very clearly described in terms of what phase men's sheds fit in in terms of getting back open. So we're working closely with our uh, colleagues in government and with public health advisors to get some clarity at the moment to see where what phase do sheds fit into uh, that reopening schedule that, that's out there at the moment. So now, look, to be honest, it's not going to be phase one or phase two, but whether it's three, four or five is what we're looking at at the moment. Uh, so that, that's the challenge at the moment and keeping our shedders uh, up to date. So, uh, and it has been a really challenging time for, for the guys in the sheds, you know, that they, what we're in essence asking them to do is the exact opposite of what sheds were set up for. So um, we're asking them to socially isolate, you know, and that, that <laughs> itself is really, really difficult and challenging. And uh, it, it's, it's been really difficult because we hear, and I'm sure you guys will hear from your own, your own uh, members and sheds across, across your, own, your own areas that, you know, these sheds have such a profound impact in terms of uh, the, their well-being, uh, their mental health. Um, their social connections and to take that away from them all of a sudden you know for some people the shed is nearly their only um, you know it, it could be their only connection it could be something that really keeps them going during the week and to lose that has been really really difficult for people um, so it's been it's been a challenge for us the first thing that we looked at from our perspective was to make sure that we could ensure that the sheds were uh, connecting with their members at, at a local level so we wanted to make sure that Yes, it was great for the guys who can do your WhatsApp and your Zoom meetings and all this kind of stuff. But what about the guys who can't? What about the guys who could potentially fall through that net and be left alone? So um, we very much um, encouraged, encouraged a lot of WhatsApp groups, group text question, uh, individual buddying systems that we call. So we asked everyone in the shed to buddy up with someone else so to ensure that no one would be left behind. So everyone in the shed would get social contact, i.e. a phone call or a a connection from someone else in their shed on a daily basis. Um, and that has worked quite well. Barry, the, the two kilometer, was that enforced by having, you have to have documentation or, or was it was it yeah. an advisory or, or what? No, 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 it was enforced. So, you know, you would have seen uh, huge uh, police checkpoints and stuff like that. So, you know, turning people away from where they're going. Um, if you documentation, that was fine. Um, uh, you were allowed to go further than two kilometers if, if there wasn't a shop within two kilometers of you, if you know what I mean, or if you're doing an essential visit to, uh, 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 you know, someone elderly and you're doing their shopping for them or something like that. But it, yeah, no, it wasn't forced, and there was uh, fines and stuff like that in place. Um, and I have to say, it was, it was very people were very compliant with it though, and that, that was the feedback. People really bought into it and said, right, now this is the situation we find ourselves in. Let, we just have to follow through on this and. Uh, uh, you know, do our piece, you know, so generally people were very good. You'll have the one or two exceptions, but you'll have that everywhere. But yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's two kilometers was quite strict, really, you know, but it's, you know, we get through it, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Barry. Can you just give us a quick idea of how many sheds there are in Ireland in, in total? Yeah, we've got um, across the island, there's 463 at the moment. So, um, I, and that has been, yeah, we're talking about individually then we're in 12, 13,000 men using the sheds. So uh, 463, we're in 13,000 men. Um, so yeah, 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 that's, it's, 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 it's grown over the last number of years. 
exceptionally quickly. Um, but I suppose the sheds have developed themselves as being a real resource for not just the men uh, and their families, but actually the communities that the sheds are operating in. So it's been very, they're very well established now at the moment. Still have our challenges like everywhere else, but uh, we've come a long way over the last number of years. And, uh, and we look forward to getting back up and running as soon as we can. Um, and the last one is about cocooning. It's a word that's used in, in Ireland, but I think we use shielding. Is this where people who are either vulnerable because of health conditions or over 70 are absolutely locked down and can't leave the house? Yeah, that's it. So cocooning is anyone over 70, no matter if you're, uh, uh, your, your health status, uh, you are not allowed to leave your home at all, full stop. So um, now they're, they're lifting that now at the moment so they can go for a walk once a day. But um, yeah, that, that was really difficult for an awful lot of people. So they did five or six weeks there where they were literally not allowed to leave their house at all, not even to go to the shops. So someone had to bring their shop and accept. Yeah, that was difficult. Barry, thank you very much for the moment. We'll hear from you later about um, what, um, what may be happening next and yeah. some of the ideas for opening but that was very that was very interesting thank you very much but uh, remarkably similar i thought to uh, yeah. what's going on everywhere else and whether we sheds in the uk fit into you know step three or step four or step five is very similar to, to the irish position yeah um you're listening to shed happens on froom fm at 96.6 locally and online and on demand worldwide at froom.fm now an extract from boris johnson's much longer speech than leo varekka i have to say a full transcript of his speech may be found on the Shed Happens show page. Visit www.shedhappens.uk and visit the show page for the 13th of May. Here's uh, Boris Johnson, extracts um, from his easing announcement on the 10th of May. It is now almost two months since the people of this country began to put up with restrictions on their freedom, your freedom, of a kind that we have never seen before in peace or war and you have shown the good sense to support those rules overwhelmingly. You've put up with all the hardships of that programme of social distancing because you understand that as things stand, and as the experience of every other country has shown, it's the only way to defeat the coronavirus, the most vicious threat this country has faced in my lifetime. And though the death toll has been tragic and the suffering immense, and though we grieve all those we have lost. It is a fact that by adopting those measures, we prevented this country from being engulfed by what could have been a catastrophe in which the reasonable worst case scenario was half a million fatalities. And it's thanks to your effort and sacrifice in stopping the spread of this disease that the death rate is coming down and hospital admissions are coming down. And thanks to you, we've protected our NHS and saved many thousands of lives. And so I know, you know, that it would be madness now to throw away that achievement by allowing a second spike. We must stay alert. We must continue to control the virus and save lives. And yet we must also recognize that this campaign against the virus has come at colossal cost to our way of life. We can see it all around us in the shuttered shops and abandoned businesses and darkened pubs and restaurants. And there are millions of people who are both fearful of this terrible disease and at the same time also fearful of what this long period of enforced inactivity will do to their livelihoods and their mental and physical well-being, to their futures and the futures of their children. 
So I want to provide tonight for you the shape of a plan to address both fears, both to beat the virus and provide the first sketch of a roadmap for reopening society, a sense of the way ahead and when and how and on what basis we will take the decisions to proceed. I'll be sending out more details in Parliament tomorrow and taking questions from the public in the evening. I've consulted across the political spectrum, across all four nations of the UK. And though different parts of the country are experiencing the pandemic at different rates, and though it's right to be flexible in our response, I believe that as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Scotland, England, Wales, Northern Ireland, there is a strong resolve to defeat this together. And today, a general consensus on what we could do. And I stress could, because although we have a plan, it is a conditional plan. And since our priority is to protect the public and save lives, we cannot move forward unless we satisfy the five tests. We must protect our NHS. We must see sustained falls in the death rate. We must see sustained and considerable falls in the rate of infection. We must sort out our challenges in getting enough PPE to the people who need it. And yes, it's a global problem, but we must fix it. And last, we must make sure that any measures we take do not force the reproduction rate of the disease, the R, back up over one, so that we have the kind of exponential growth we were facing a few weeks ago. And to chart our progress and to avoid going back to square one, we're establishing a new COVID alert system run by a new joint biosecurity center. And that COVID alert level will be determined primarily by R and the number of coronavirus cases. And in turn, that COVID alert level will tell us how tough we have to be in our social distancing measures. The lower the level, the fewer the measures, the higher the level, the tougher and stricter we will have to be. There will be five alert levels. Throughout this period of the next two months, we will be driven not by mere hope, or economic necessity. We're going to be driven by the science, the data, and public health. And I must stress again that all of this is conditional. It all depends on a series of big ifs. It depends on all of us, the entire country, to follow the advice, to observe social distancing, and to keep that R down. And to prevent reinfection from abroad, I'm serving notice that it will soon be the time, with transmission significantly lower, to impose quarantine on people coming into this country by air. And it's because of your efforts to get the R down and the number of infections down here that this measure will now be effective. And of course, we'll be monitoring our progress locally, regionally, and nationally. And if there are outbreaks, if there are problems, we will not hesitate 
to put on the brakes. We've been through the initial peak, but it's coming down the mountain that is often more dangerous. We have a route and we have a plan. And everyone in government has the all-consuming pressure and challenge to save lives, restore livelihoods and gradually restore the freedoms that we need. But in the end, this is a plan that everyone must make work. And when I look at what you've done already, the patience and common sense you've shown, the fortitude of the elderly, whose isolation we all want to end as fast as we can, the incredible bravery and hard work of our NHS staff, our care workers, the devotion and self-sacrifice of all those in every walk of life who are helping us to beat this disease, police, bus drivers, train drivers, pharmacists, supermarket workers, road hauliers, bin collectors, cleaners, security guards, postal workers, our teachers, and a thousand more, the scientists who are working round the clock to find a vaccine. When I think of the millions of everyday acts of kindness and thoughtfulness that are being performed across this country and that have helped to get us through this first phase, I know that we can use this plan to get us through the next. And if we can't do it by those dates, and if the alert level won't allow it, we will simply wait and go on until we've got it right. We will come back from this devilish illness. We will come back to health and robust health. And though the UK will be changed by this experience, I believe we can be stronger and better than ever before, more resilient, more innovative, more economically dynamic, but also more generous and more sharing. But for now, we must stay alert, control the virus, and save lives. Thank you very much. So Charlie, can you explain the kind of key elements of the restrictions um, uh, that was also, and also the easing that was announced on Sunday? But first, can you maybe give us a broader picture of men's sheds across the whole UK? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we, we have um, over 580 um, open sheds now in the UK. Like Barry suggested, you know, very growing very rapidly, very rapidly indeed. And that comes with great opportunities, but also um, some, some uh, considerable challenges. But we're seeing, we're seeing a healthy development of volunteers um, through our volunteer ambassadors across the country. And, and key to all of it is partners and, and recognising those partnerships. So you know, working closely with Wales, um, particularly around uh, where we are now with coronavirus, We've started the dialogue now with, with Rob and, and with Barry um, to talk about how and what reopening or unlocking sheds will look like. But uh, yeah, I have to be honest, uh, to give a praise of what the Prime Minister said on Sunday um, uh, would, be, would be a challenge. Um, there were some confusing messages there for me, and I think that that's played out not just in the press, but also in the ministerial statements that have followed. So it, it is confusing. I think we... My, my personal view is that we should be prudent and go to the, um, I suppose, the base denominator where we can. There are some opportunities now that you can go and see your parents if they're over the age of 70 or your grandparents, um, but only one at a time. But I, I believe or I understand our lockdown still exists, our, um, our shielding still exists. Uh, and there are also some guidance now on wearing face masks if you are able to go out shopping, which, based on my experience on Friday, is probably not a bad thing. 
but it comes with the health risk that you've got to be able to wear that properly. But uh, it did it did feel that um, people had thought that lockdown was over, uh, particularly walking around the village. But when I went shopping on Friday morning for my my one outing a week. Um, Charlie, one of the things that uh, you may have seen or anybody may have seen is a video meme from the US where a, a lady who was shopping had cut a hole in her face mask because she felt it was easier to breathe in it with a hole cut over her mouth. So I think, you know, given the opportunity for human beings to do odd things, they'll do them. Yeah, no, I, um, on Friday there was um, one gentleman who was clearly not shielding himself. Um, and was clearly over an A. I mean, I look older than I am, but... Um, he couldn't have looked that much older than he was. He had the uh, face mask just over his mouth, but below his nose. Um, <laughs> so he was walking around the supermarket. So, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting that you just try to avoid as many people as possible. And, uh, mm-hmm. well, but that physical um, avoiding also means you don't start talking to them. Uh, and I have to say that I did usher somebody away from my shoulder on Friday um, who just smiled back and walked slowly away. Yes, I'm amazed that um, some people don't seem to know that that two meters is not one meter or that two meters is not four meters yeah it seems to be quite straightforward to me we have in Froome we have a a big poster up which explains that um two meters is either the length of billy Connolly lying down um two guitars um on the ground or four dachshunds um nose to tail but still some people don't seem to um understand that no, and, and I, I did say that I did think that my license fee was worth paying when I um, saw one report from the BBC, which was if you're holding a broom and you can hit somebody, you're not far enough away. Uh, it's, uh, so, so you carry on a broom to your supermarket when you go shopping, Charlie? Well, I could make all sorts of jokes about that, but yes, <laughs> it's how I get there, Patrick. So, how do you think the, um, the, 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 the message that is being given this morning, I think, that says um, we should be using common sense um, as much as as the detailed government guidance to supplement each other? I, yeah, I mean, we should use common sense. Uh, the, the problem is, and I think it's well recorded that people don't necessarily have common sense, or you can easily drift out of common sense if you've got it. It's easily, it's very easy, or I find it very easy to, to daydream and to, to drift away, um, particularly when I'm out walking. So I think one of the key things for everyone will be stimulus. Um, And and if you're in a supermarket, there are relatively regular reminders about respecting each other and keeping your distance. And and sheds are about looking after one another and respecting each other. So, you know, I I think we can't just say you need common sense. We need to remind people about common sense. And whether that's, you know, visually, um, as you say, with posters or markings on floors, or whether it's you know using the audio and and whether that's into you know into intermixed in music, we don't have that music outside, but um, yeah, we do need those stimulus stimuli um, so that we so that we are reminded to keep our distance and just to be safe, but to be safe for each other. You know, we might not care. Um, you know, I did get accused of being a fascist when I escaped to Wilco's two weeks ago because uh, somebody wanted me to walk straight past them in the queue. And I was like, no, it's two metres. But um, yeah, so it's not often I've been called a fascist, but um, I'm quite delighted in it, on that opinion. Dan, you have a question. Uh, Charlie, that comes back to uh, what you were saying about people uh, becoming a little blasé about distancing um, and um, just letting it go over their heads. Again, this comes down to about the fact we are so lucky, that us on this call today, have you seen the pictures coming out of London and the tube use and 
yeah. uh, it's absolutely unbelievable. We worry about somebody being, and by the way, I carry, a, I, I walk with a stick because uh, I've got ME and occasionally my ankle gives way. So I have to be quite careful. So I walk with a stick and it's very useful. You can just, you know, if I extend my arm is about just under a meter and the stick's about a meter and a half. So that covers it. <laughs> But if I did that to somebody in my local supermarket, they would be on the other aisle, not in the same aisle as me, uh, because the aisles are that close together. But it, it seems that, uh, anyway, so far as our illustrious uh, Prime Minister is concerned, the one thing he did say that was really um, hit with me, that he's going to go on until he gets it right. So thank goodness for that. Well, I, I think, you know, we, we UKMSA have to be careful not to be party um, biased, but I think it is a difficult, it is difficult. and. You know, it, you are right. You've got to keep trying until you get it right because it's not tried and tested here. You know, it has been tried and tested in other countries. It's not quite been the coronavirus in, say, Korea, but it seems that they've learned from the, the epidemics that they've had in the past and there's some good learning there. In the same way, we all learn from each other and we all learn how we look at things. And um, it's, it's a worry when people... And it's basically antisocial behaviour. If, if you're not looking out for each other, I, I consider that to be quite antisocial behaviour, and and I think that is a, that is a real issue that we see in daily life normally. But now the stakes are a little bit higher, and I think you know the whole shed ethos about respecting each other and and looking out for each other is is so important at this time. And maybe we'll all come out of it better because that you know we will polarise or focus around that sort of approach. Maybe. Hopefully, Charlie. Thank you very much indeed. And now, Mark Drakeford, the First Minister for Wales, made the easing announcement for Wales on the 8th of May. In our own times, we have carried out the three-week review of the stay-at-home regulations which have been in place in Wales since the end of March. These restrictions are unprecedented in our time, but they have helped us to reduce and slow the spread of coronavirus. They have helped us all to save lives. And we know that we've, if we had not taken these steps, many more people would have been admitted to hospital and many more people would have died. The evidence shows that the harm from coronavirus is stabilising, thanks in very large part to the actions of everyone in all parts of Wales. But the expert advice we have received from the Chief Medical Officer is that it is too soon to lift these restrictions, that if we did, we would see a return of the virus. Now, we use something called the R rate to measure how the virus is circulating in Wales. And in the slide that you can now see, the bottom line shows where we think we are in Wales today, with a level at around R0.8. And if we sustain that level, you will see that we are on a path to successfully dealing with the virus. But the margins are so small. If we simply moved to a small number of percentage fractions above where we are today, if we went from R0.8 to R1.1, you will see how hospital admissions take off in that top line there on the graph. And the difference between 0.8 and 1.1 is shown on this slide in terms of actual people. The coronavirus continues to be present in Wales, even with everything we have done to bring the rate down to 0.8 in the community. We anticipate that 800 more people 
will join that very sad and sombre list of people who have lost their lives to coronavirus over the next three months. But if we were to take actions that allowed the virus to spiral back to where it was weeks ago, if it crept back up simply to 1.1, then we would not see 800 deaths in Wales, we would see 7,200. And it is because of that picture that here in Wales, your government has decided that the stay-at-home regulations must remain in place until the next review date in three weeks' time. We must not lose the progress we have made. All of us must continue to work from home whenever we can. All of us must travel only when absolutely necessary. All of us must continue to observe the two-metre social distancing and to wash our hands and take those basic hygiene precautions. These are the measures that will continue to protect us all from coronavirus and go on saving lives. But as the result of the three-week review, we believe that there are some small and modest adjustments which we could make to the regulations. Now, our intention is to make these adjustments on Monday so that we move in step with the other nations of the United Kingdom as part of our determined preference for a four-nation approach. And these very small and modest adjustments are things that we know that we can do safely without having an impact on that R rate that you have just seen. And there are three of these modest adjustments. The first will be to the once-a-day exercise rule, because the more we learn about coronavirus, the evidence shows us that the risk of infection is reduced outdoors. We will adjust our regulations to allow people to be able to go outside to exercise more than once a day, but we will strengthen our regulations to make it clear that that exercise must be local. It should begin and end at home, and it should not involve any significant travel away from home. Our second plan change to the regulations will be to allow garden centres to open, provided that the two-metre social distancing rules can be applied. And thirdly, we propose changing the regulations to allow local authorities to begin planning how safely to reopen libraries and municipal recycling centres. Now, these very cautious changes will apply to everyone other than the 120,000 people in the shielding group, and it's really important that people in that group continue to follow the shielding advice they have received from the chief medical officer. And we continue to urge people who are over 70 or who have an underlying health condition, who are pregnant, to continue to take extra care to protect themselves. Now, as we are required to do by the law, we will keep these restrictions under constant review. We will continue to work with people here in Wales and our public services as we consider when and how they might be adjusted further, 
while keeping our focus firmly on keeping our people safe. Jochen Wahl, thank you very much. Robert, I think the original lockdown restrictions and um, for Wales were very similar to the rest of the UK, but perhaps you could detail those restrictions. Let us know what the extent of men's sheds are in Wales and um, some details maybe on the easing, which is a little more constrained than uh, the rest of uh, the UK. So, Robert. Sure. Over to you. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Patrick. So, yeah, so the key message was and still is stay at home. Stay at home unless it's an essential journey. Uh, work from home if you can work from home um, and only go out for those essentials medicines, food. Um, for yourself or for others, for those who are shielding. So yes, shielding is, is, is what we called it here as well, cocooning in Ireland, um, for the over 70s and those with the underlying health conditions. And I think, thinking about our sheds in Wales, many, many of those sheds fall into that bracket, the over 70s or with the underlying health conditions or both. We were allowed outside for exercise once a day. And I think that's one of the changes in the recent easing is you're now allowed out for exercise more than once a day. Um, I found it interesting listening to Barry, and you know, there was that two kilometer rule, which was very definite. Whereas I think what we were given was vague and open to interpretation, and that caused confusion. And then the new announcements, you know, Boris, Mark, the message is still confusing for a lot of people. And of course, now there is the difference between the UK government's announcements and Welsh government. The message from UK government, stay alert. You know, again, vague, I think. Stay at home is the better message. Um, that's the one that Wales, Mark Rayford has decided to stick to. I think it's, it's, it's a lot clearer. The difference is now you are allowed out to exercise uh, more than once a day. You're still not allowed to uh, meet or arrange meetings with people outside of the, the family home or the family group. Recycling centres, down to local authorities as to whether they want to open. Yes, I understand that. I've, I've seen a lot of news. There's a lot of fly tipping apparently going on. I know we talked about recycling earlier. And, you know, there's a message there from me. You know, the, the council, the local authority staff that work for them and provide those services have been great you know nhs everyone else brilliant but it's also those uh, you know people that collect the rubbish the recycling hand out the recycling bags important otherwise we'd be probably six foot deep in in rubbish sheds in wales so we're about 66 sheds in wales all over all closed down i think in the beginning again because of the slightly vague message some decided to close immediately others tried to stay open a bit longer you know they brought in ppe and hand washing and tried to keep distancing but it, you know within a week it got to the stage where no this is really serious and all sheds closed down interestingly we've had at least four potential new sheds you know we've had inquiries and people who are definitely thinking about sheds and two of those i mean we'll probably talk about this later looking at virtual ways of, of starting a shed. So that's going to be really interesting. And I think difficult to call it a positive, but you know, people have had time to look and think about how they might get together after this 
is over and how important it is to have those relationships. Uh, and they've looked up sheds and thought this, yes, this is for me. And okay, I haven't got a local shed or the local shed is closed. But when we come out of this, I'd like to start a shed. And, you know, that's been a pleasant surprise for me. Well, I think, I think Barry, you, you've got a view that we, we, we're going to see a need for more and more sheds coming out of this than we do before we came into the, the COVID-19 crisis, don't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, and I think, you know, it's, it's nearly history repeating itself because I know in Ireland, like, we're, I suppose sheds are here 10 years this year or last year really um, and it started in Ireland the sheds concept in Ireland began in the uh, depths of the last recession uh, you know we were particularly badly hit here at that stage so for uh, 10 years ago in this country an awful lot of men for the first time out of work and uh, maybe in financial circumstances that never thought they'd find themselves in so the, in essence um, the need for uh, something or programs like men's sheds was so badly needed back then that that played a real significant role in that organic growth that we've seen in the early days. And what we can see already, and uh, I, I imagine that we're going to see this right coming out the other side of it, is that we're probably going to be in even a deeper recession uh, this time next year or 18 months down the road. And yeah. that brings its own societal challenges along with it. And I think what, what we will see, and we'll see this, I think, in Ireland, across the UK, everywhere, that the demand for services such like men's sheds and support such like men's sheds in communities around uh, not just Ireland, but I'd, I'd say right across anywhere there is men's sheds is going to be quite dramatic. So that's, in essence, you know, there, there's, um, there's, it's going to, I, I suppose, highlight and fast track that growth that we're, and that bit of scale that we're seeing already that uh, we might envisage maybe one or two years ago. But uh, I can really see the need for sheds um, uh, being really, um, really magnified over the next couple of years when we start coming out of this other side. So yeah, Robert, it looks like um, you may you may be right. Um, we may have a, a, a more sheds growing, but good news that you got four possible new sheds, you know, popped up during this particular phase. Um, now we're going to hear briefly from the first minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, and leader Nicola is first minister of Scotland and leader of the Scottish National Party. This is her um, announcement regarding easing on the 10th of May. Having made real progress in recent weeks, and I think you can tell from the figures that I am setting out for you day after day, that we have made real progress. The objective now for all of us must be to consolidate and solidify that progress. We mustn't squander our progress by easing up too soon or by sending mixed messages that result in people thinking that it's OK to ease up now. Let me be very blunt about the consequences if we were to do that. People will die unnecessarily. And instead of being able to loosen restrictions, hopefully in the near future, we will be faced instead with having to tighten them. We must not take that risk. So for that reason, my basic message for Scotland remains the same as it has been. Please stay at home except for essential purposes. At present, you're only permitted to leave home to exercise once every day. From tomorrow, that once a day limit will be removed. So if you want to go for a walk more often or to go for a run and also a walk later on in the day, then you can now do so. And for everybody, all other lockdown restrictions remain in place. When you are exercising, you must uh, stay relatively close to your own home and at all times at least two metres away from people from other households. 
And although the rules permit exercise, such as walking or running or cycling, they do not yet extend to outdoor leisure activities such as sunbathing, picnics or barbecues. The fact that you are allowed to exercise from tomorrow more than once is definitely not, and I want to stress this point, a licence to start meeting up in groups at the park or at the beach. Doing that really does risk spreading this virus, and it could potentially force us to reintroduce stricter guidelines or toughen up the regulations and penalties in future. Um, I'm very sorry we weren't able to get a representative from the Scottish Men's Shed Association on the show today. And I think, Patrick, you know, that's, that's really important, you know, what Nicola Sturgeon's saying, along the same signs as Mark from, from um, Wales and, and Leo from, from Ireland, if I can call them by their first names. Well, it's about being prudent, and I think that's the approach we all need to take as sheds, because we are talking about an at-risk group um, in the main. And, and yes, I completely agree with Barry that we're going to see a lot of people um, maybe losing their jobs and wanting to come into sheds and needing to come into sheds. Yeah. But, but we need to be prudent to ensure that, that we create environments that support each other rather than cause more issues than they solve. Good point, thank you. Um, we're coming up to the end of part one of This Week's Shed Happens. Do stay with us and we'll be back with you in a couple of minutes after the advert break. In part two, we hear again from our studio guests about some of the challenges and issues that sheds and other organisations will face as we gradually restore the freedoms that we all need.